Hi folks, it's Rick Wilson, and this is a special edition of The Enemies List. There was also maintained what was called an enemies list. Democrats want Republicans dead. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. The women with the least likelihood of getting pregnant are the ones most worried about having abortions. On January 6th of 2021, you had tens of thousands of people peacefully protesting. You're the president of the United States. You can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified. It's not a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's not QAnon. It's real. <laughs> I'm Rick Wilson, and this is The Enemies List. Well, he's back. You knew this was coming. You should have known this even a year ago. You should have known this on January 6th. There was nothing ever that was going to keep Donald Trump away from a second, oh, excuse me, third run at the White House. Doesn't matter how badly he was beaten in 2020. Doesn't matter how much legal jeopardy he appears to be in. He was always coming back. I warned you. We warned you. But here he is. So I want to say a few things about this because there will be a lot of speculation, a lot of breathless panic, a lot of rending of garments and tearing of hair in the next few days. There will be a lot of confident assertions that Trump is a spent force. He's over. It's done. It's finished. He's dead. No, no one could come back from all the terrible examples of everything Trump touches dies living out in front of us. But I want to say this. I want to be clear about this. It doesn't matter that he took a potential banner year for the House majority and because crazy Trump candidates won in many of those seats in the primaries, that the House majority, at best, will be a seat or two, and it still may not be a House majority for Republicans. In the Senate, the candidates Trump handpicked, that he selected, almost universally, failed. J.D. Vance, is there one big win in the cycle in a deep red state? Bravo, I guess. You held a seat. Okay. The governor's races that he endorsed in? Again, a cascade of failures. The secretaries of states that he endorsed and pushed that were also a, a group of uh, QAnon crazies and weirdos, every single one of them lost. And they're the ones who were living the Trump lie most intimately in the public space. They were the ones pushing the message harder than anyone. The, the, the 2020 election was stolen. It was, of course, bullshit. And, of course, their campaigns being centered around bullshit led to disaster for them. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Trump was always going to do this. He is a black hole of need, rage, money, attention, all of it. It was always going to be this way. And Trump's campaign in 2020 was, as you know, a shambolic, bizarre completely shit-showed uh, collection of skells, weirdos, dopes, Jason Miller types, Brad Parscal types, these people who, who their pathologies are more important than their, than their political skills. But this time it won't be. This time there are some grown-ups in the room, and you should be aware, and you should be smart about these people, and you should know who they are and what they're capable of doing, and I will say this, and I mean this in, the, in, a, in a grudging sense, but I hope you'll take it to heart. Chris LaCivita, who is right now 
on deck to be the lead guy in the campaign is a very talented Republican operator. He's a very smart guy. He has got a bunch of very smart people working for him. Do not take him lightly. Do not imagine you're going to easily scoot past this guy with the kind of trickery that we were able to pull off in 2020. We're going to have to come up with some new trickery to pull off in 2024. And yes, there will be warring factions inside Trump's world. You know, Jared will never, uh, never allow himself to be fully pushed out of both the, the, the grift and of the, the ego part of the campaign. He will always want to try to push himself back into that world. And you're going to find that the, the usual suspects from MAGA world are going to find themselves once again around the table for Trump. Stephen Miller, Steve Bannon. Roger Stone, all the creeps and the weirdos that you saw in 2016 and then later in Trump world, and the ones who have gone outside and formed all these elements of this newfound Trump slash MAGA media universe, they're all going to be there. Some of them have learned their lessons from 2016 and 2020, um, and they're going to be more effective at what they do. I just don't want you to treat them lightly. I don't want you to sleep on them. I don't want you to think that they're just clowns, even though they are clownish. Even though they are, they, they, are, they are ridiculous in many levels, they still understand something about this country. It's based on an electoral college map, and that electoral college map is a fundamental. It is not going to change for all my progressive friends. Pull your heads out of your fucking asses. It's not going to change. Not this cycle. Maybe not next cycle. Maybe 50 years from now, it'll be a different situation. But you have to work in the reality of the world that you actually live in and not the one you believe. Now, I also want to say no one's coming to save the Republican Party. No one's coming to ride to the rescue. God love Larry Hogan. He's a great guy and a good, a good man and a good governor, who's a good governor of Maryland. But Larry Hogan's going to come in 12th place in Iowa. And all the other eager little beavers who want to run for president, Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and, and, and Rick Scott and, um, and a million others, all of them are hanging back right now because they're letting Ron DeSantis take all the arrows. They're letting Ron DeSantis take all the incoming fire from Trump. They've all watched. They know what 2016 was like. They know what 2020 could have been like if anybody dared to actually primary him. But folks, Ron DeSantis, and I say this to my to my Republican friends and to the and to the and to the nervous folks who've been calling and emailing for the first time in several years over the last, I don't know, 5 days. Um, oh God, what do we do? We're too deep in with this guy. He's going to destroy the party. Yes, 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 he is. But Ron DeSantis isn't going to save you. And I'll tell you three reasons why. The first is history is replete with the definite guy who is definitely going to be the definite nominee, was definitely going to win the White House, and you can definitely just start picking out curtains. Why even bother to campaign? Scott Walker. Jeb Bush, Tim Pawlenty, Marco Rubio. That's just in the last couple cycles. Okay, we've seen this a hundred times. Oh, you've got to be a governor to win the presidency. It's a great idea. Well, you know what? Being a governor didn't hurt in the 90s and the early 2000s. 
doesn't seem to be the thing now. I don't think DeSantis is as strong a candidate in the inevitability front as you think he is. And the money people right now are in love with the guy. But, you know, a couple weeks ago, the money people were starting to fall out of love with him and in love with Carrie Lake when they thought she would win. They thought she was charismatic. They thought that she eye-fucked the camera every day and was, you know, had this weird mojo. Well, she had weird mojo until she didn't have weird mojo. The second reason is you guys haven't seen Ron DeSantis up close. And while he rules Florida with an iron fist right now, every Republican elected official in Florida, if you got him in a room and they were and, and, and got him lit up, they'd tell you the truth. DeSantis is weird. He's a weird guy. He doesn't make eye contact. He has trouble having conversations and and he is not he's not a, an affable politician. He's not a happy guy. He's not somebody with with a presence and a sort of lightness about his character. He comes across as a weird, ponderous, angry guy with a chip on his shoulder. And oh my God, the size of the chip on his shoulder is like bigger than Rhode Island. So that part of it, I think, is something that people have not factored in here yet. And, and look, I, I am the world's leading critic of Donald Trump, arguably speaking. But I will say this. There is at least in Trump a sense of showmanship and sometimes a weird, goofy kind of humor. And, and like the little dances and things are weird and stupid, but they also have a little bit of, of, of again, showmanship. This guy, DeSantis, is not a showman. He is, he is a guy who's going to go pound the podium with his shoe. You know, he's Florida's Khrushchev. Um, and I think it's important to remember that, that the third factor here is the really important one. He is a guy, and I'll use a baseball analogy since he understands them. He is a guy that was born on political third base and thought he hit a grand slam home run that won the World Series. Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, Rick Scott, all these three guys, they never quite had the power in Florida that Ron DeSantis has right now based on fear. But Ron DeSantis is the inheritor of a political tradition in the state of Florida that started way, way back in the, in the, in the before times. So when I worked for George H.W. Bush in Florida in 1988, as a very young man, a young dumbass, as I like to say, and now I'm an old dumbass, um, this was a state that was in a political transition. It was still a democratic state by and large, but the Republicans were working from the ground up we had won some big elections statewide over the years, but it was it was then the proverbial swing state. But since then, in over 30 years, the Republican Party of Florida and its various apparatuses and consultants and systems and skills has built three generations, politically speaking, of the very, very best operatives, fundraisers, communicators, ad makers, everything. They have a system, they have a, a, a built-in sort of functionality that no one else has. And so DeSantis winning this race, the question isn't really, does this tell us something about how he will run as president? Because he ran in a, a bubble. He ran in a political terrarium that is Florida. And, and Florida is a state where Republicans are designed to win. And it's a red state. 
where Republicans ought to win. So the question isn't why did he, how did he beat Charlie Crist by 20 points and what does that say about the future? The question is why didn't he beat Charlie Crist by 40 points? There's nothing there on the Democratic side, nothing. So I think DeSantis is an overpriced stock in this. I just want to make sure that people understand that. And don't panic about him yet. Could he scale? Maybe. We'll see. But he has yet to face any actual competition in any campaign he's ever had. He's run in a safely gerrymandered seat for Congress. He's run against a fairly hapless Democratic campaign in uh, 2018 and a very, very, very hapless Democratic campaign in 2022. So Trump will inevitably collide with DeSantis. We will enjoy all of the fireworks from that. And I will say this, the rest of that pack of Republican wannabes that are sitting out there in the woods, waiting, watching, hoping that that Trump will kill DeSantis first so they can sneak out later. Um, First off, they're moral and political cowards. But second off, those folks don't understand what's about to happen. Everyone will be called back to Trump. They will all be forced to bend the knee. They will all be thinking to themselves, well, if I don't endorse him now, he'll still have the power to endorse somebody else in my primary, and then I'll lose my primary next time. And they're right. So watch for them to all start bowing and scraping back to Trump. Folks, I wish I could tell you that we weren't going to have another Trump-Biden race, but we're going to have another Trump-Biden race. And by the way, a little tough love for my Democratic friends. Listen, I know there are a lot of new rising stars in the Democratic Party, some of whom were elected last Tuesday. A lot of reporters are going to come to you and say, and frankly, some money people and staffers and consultants and say, you should run. You should primary Biden. He's old. It's done. You can be the superstar. You'll never lose by running for president, even if you lose while you're running for president. I just want to beg you for one moment to consider a philosophy that has served me well in life. Occasionally, just say no. Look at the camera and say, absolutely not. I'm going to support Joe Biden for president because we're facing Donald Trump and a weaponized Republican Party. I know a lot of people have this sense that that the clock is always ticking and that it's their only chance. For some of you, it might be. But for the good of the order, for the good of the the country, I I would strongly recommend you consider just endorse Biden now, get it over with so that you have a unified party And it's not something that Republicans are able to drive a giant wedge into a coalition that, while it was victorious this year, is still a tenuous coalition in many ways. So, folks, he's back. We're stuck with him. We're going to face him for the next two years, essentially. And there will be days where he looks like he's inevitable. There will be days it sucks. There will be days Biden makes mistakes. There will be days... Trump seems like he's an inevitable machine once again sweeping toward victory. All I can tell you is he will be if we don't fight. He will be if we let the MAGA propaganda machine chew up the American spirit. And they will set out to do that. They're already working on it. Even today, as I'm recording this, even today, they are already slowly grinding towards the inevitable framing that they liked back in 2016 and 2020 of Trump is a man who is beyond accountability. He is a man who who has upset the political matrix so profoundly that nothing can ever go backward. Well, we need to make sure that Trump uh, does not have an easy skate. We need to make sure that we all fight smart and fight hard. We need to make sure that we're fighting on the things that really matter to the American people and not on 
individual ideological interest areas, but it's going to be a long road and we're going to be there together and we're going to keep having these conversations and I wish you all the best and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to The Enemies List. If you have any comments, questions, or someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, hit me up on Twitter at TheRickWilson. Thanks again for the wonderful support you've shown the podcast. Please share it with your family, friends, and anyone else who, like us, is working to save and expand American democracy. While you're at it, please rate and review the podcast. It really does help a lot, and I would be very, very grateful. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, whatever you do, stay off the list. Thank you.